This is the Radio Bible Class, and I'm your host, Tim Carter. We welcome you to our Bible study as the Radio Bible Class streams across the nation and around the world. We bring to you a message how Christ ministers to his disciples after the resurrection. We greet you on the internet and radio with the message that Jesus is alive today. Now, today's lesson is titled, Purifying Our Walk, and it comes from 1 John 3, 4 through 12. But before we start our lesson today, Word Talk Inc. could use your support. Now, playing music on the radio may sound simple, but actually it's quite costly due to publishing rights and royalties. And before that first song is ever played, there's utility bills and time rental fees and maintenance and so forth. We need people just like you to help with the tax-deductible gifts, so won't you do that today? You can do that by calling us at 601-483-8648, and there they can take your information safely and securely over the phone. Or mail us your gift to Word Talk, Inc., P.O. Box 4334, Meridian, Mississippi 39304. Or last, you can download the free WMER app, and right there in the spinning wheel at the bottom, you can hit the dollar sign, which is the donate button, and you can donate online. Anyway, your gift to Word Talk, Inc. is IRS approved as a 501c3 tax-exempt ministry. Now, your contribution is never used for salaries or managerial purposes, but 100% of it goes to the expense providing the good news of Jesus Christ to our listening area. Hebrews 13.16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. If you'd like to go back and listen to a previous lesson, you can do that by going to our podcast website. That's Radio Bible Class with no spaces between radiobibleclass.podbean.com. Or catch us wherever you listen to your podcast. We're there too, whether that's iTunes or Amazon or Google or Spotify. We're there. Just search for WMER, Radio Bible Class, with no spaces between Radio Bible Class. Well, today we pick back up in the book of 1 John. We're in the third chapter. Let's do a quick recap of the theme of 1 John. You know, first we saw that John said that he had heard the truth from the beginning. He had seen God's promises and Jesus fulfilled before his own eyes. He, he was able to see Jesus. He was able to touch Jesus. He was able to hear the things Jesus taught. And that he tells us what he taught was true and accurate, not like these Gnosticism that has come into the church. Another thing that John talked about was the way we walk, walking in the light. And he talked about if you walk in darkness and you don't fellowship with God, that means you're not reading your Bible regularly. You're not spending time daily in prayer with Jesus. Then you're a liar. You're fooling yourself, especially if you call yourself a Christian. And those are the things that Jesus taught us that we should do, that we should walk like Jesus. We should strive to be more like Jesus. We shouldn't openly choose to walk in sin. And we've seen this theme throughout the first couple of chapters of 1 John. And then he took it a little further. He talked about one of the natures of God, and that is that God is light. And with walking with him in the light means that we have fellowship not only with him, but also with one another. We have a vertical relationship with God, and then we have this horizontal relationship with our fellowship with others, that we love one another, and that the blood of Jesus has cleansed us from our sin and that Jesus is faithful to forgive us of those sins if we will just confess them one to another. Again, they're showing that fellowship. And after he got into the fellowship and loving of one another, he even went as far to say, if you hate your brother, you are in darkness. You're not in the light. 
and will cause other believers to stumble that follow you, that look at you as living out what you profess to be, even though you're not that. And then he says, if you love the things of the world, you don't really understand God. This means that you're prideful, that you're lustful, that you're selfish, you're self-centered. Some of you would take that offensive for me to say you're selfish. But what he's saying here is that we take pride in ourselves. We look to ourselves. We are lustful. We want to feed our flesh instead of looking and operating as God is our master. And all of this stuff that we are lusting after, those things that we take pride in, all the stuff that we accumulate is all fading away. But the one who obeys God will live with him forever is what he finishes up saying there that we need to quit looking at temporal stuff and look at eternal stuff. So I guess you could really summarize this, that John's been saying that he's been there from the very beginning. He saw Jesus. He says, if you practice truth, if you obey God's commandments, if you love your brothers and you teach others to do the same, then you know God and that you are forgiven. But if you believe these false teachers, this Gnosticism that's come into the church in the first century, and it's still around today, that says you can just pray a prayer and live however you want to. That's called grace. And don't get me wrong, I believe in grace. But when we accept Jesus as Lord of our life, we can't live how we want to. So he says, if you believe these false teachers about Jesus and you walk in darkness, live a lifestyle of sin, and you disregard your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, then your actions show that you don't really know Jesus and his truth, and you don't know God. And that's really where we pick up today. So with that said, turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. We'll start in verse 4. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning and also practices lawlessness, sin is lawlessness, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins. And in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or knows him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. I'm going to stop right there for now. So what we see as he puts in these first four verses right here, verse four through verse eight, he really starts back on this living out, applying what we have said we would do, not just talking the talk, but walking the talk. And he starts off saying, anyone who practices sinning practices lawlessness because sin is lawlessness. Now, have I said before that there is a purification process or a sanctification is a good theological term that we use that after we're saved, that we're cleansed of our sin, we're forgiven of our sins, but there is the natural self that even though we are a new creature, we have to put on that new creature. We have to look at Jesus every day. We have to die to ourselves. And we have to carry the cross. We have to follow what Jesus says. And that's an intentional act. And now this is not works-based salvation because you're already saved. You do this because you understand what Jesus did on the cross. But he's saying being born of God requires purification, the pursuit of righteousness. A life of continual sin is just the opposite of that. If you continue to live in sin 
and you don't allow the Holy Spirit to convict you, if you don't read your Bible and understand what you're doing is wrong, then you prayed a prayer to Jesus that was about you feeling guilty and not asking for repentance. Now, as I've said through each of these lessons, we're going to blow it. I'm not perfect. I will not stand here and tell you that I don't sin, but I don't intentionally sin. Yeah, do I occasionally get carried away with this or that, and I tell a, a lie I don't mean to, I immediately get convicted of it, and I ask for forgiveness. But I didn't intentionally lie just to cover myself. And that's where the fine line is. Where do we cross the line where we say, hey, God's going to forgive me because of grace, so I'll just go ahead and commit this sin. It's no big deal. Grace will cover it when I ask for forgiveness. And what he's saying is that that is a sign of the old man. That's not us putting on the new man. And so we've got to start being careful that we don't practice sinning, that we don't choose to sin. And just to give you some reference where he's coming from, these false teachers, these Gnosticism teachers claim that they were able to not sin. They separated the flesh from their spiritual side, and therefore they could live however they wanted to, but they would be sinless because Christ had abolished sin once and for all when he died, and so it didn't matter how you lived as long as you accept him. And some folks call this hyper-grace. And in this hyper-grace, you could live how you wanted to because your spiritual knowledge would allow you to be above the sinful realm. What I want you to understand today and walk away with is that there are still teachers today that teach hyper-grace. And so you might ask him, well, what's the difference between free grace and hyper-grace? Well, in today's world, hyper-grace roughly says that it doesn't matter what you do, that no sinful action can hurt your fellowship with God. And because of that, you don't have to confess sin regularly. And where this gets really tricky, and the reason why a lot of people call these hyper-grace teachers false teachers is because hyper-grace rejects the idea of lordship and with our salvation. We say, Tim, that sounds similar to free grace. Well, it kind of does. But the difference is free grace first says that we have to regularly confess our sins. Now, we are cleansed of our sins when we accept Jesus Christ. But the second piece that's more important is that we understand because of grace, it was given to us by God because he's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that at that point, we need to start living like a servant to him. And the hyper-grace folks say, no, I'm a child of the king. And we talked about that earlier in our previous lesson. But what we need to understand is that we have to look at lordship. Jesus told us, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Let me give a modern day example of that. I can tell my wife as many times as I want that I love her. But if I go out and cheat on her, if I go date other women, guess what? She's not going to believe what I said because my actions speak different from the words that I'm saying. And that is the biggest difference between hyper-grace and grace. When we are saved, it's not anything we do. We can't earn our salvation. It is truly grace given to us when we ask for forgiveness. But hyper-grace says after that point that you can live however you want to because you've been set free, which we believe. But you can't live that way because there is a lordship piece of it. 
And matter of fact, listen to what James says. This is the half-brother of Jesus. James 4.4 4, out of the New King James Version says, Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enemy with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. The verse we all probably know, Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And then the last verse that I'll read, and then we'll move on. Romans 6, starting in verse 1, it says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Now, I could go on and on. There's a lot of verses in the Bible that talked about us being that we are bought with a price, that we're to walk righteously, we're to walk worthy, we're to live out a sanctified life. We've been changed. We are a new creation. And what I want you to understand is he's talking about grace, but he's saying that we have to live out that now. And it's not something that we do, but the Holy Spirit helps us do it. As he exposes areas in our life, we prune it away. Now look back with me at verse 5 and 6. He says, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. And this is what I want you to catch. No one who, this is the key word, abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has ever seen him or knows him. And so again, here we see that word abide, which really means remain. Are we abiding? Are we remaining in Christ? Are we living out? Are we doing this continual fellowship with Christ? Are we being faithful to the apostles' teaching and Jesus' teaching not to sin? Now, the idea of not to sin is not the same as cannot sin. And again, the apostles taught this idea of we do not sin because we can sin, but the focus on this does not sin is really a focus not on the solidarity of a single act, but it's on a continuous act. So we're occasionally we're going to slip and mess up. And I'm not telling you that we that's okay, but that's where grace does come and forgive us as we'll repent of it. Here he's talking about a continual act of sin. So for those of you that might be freaking out, John isn't saying that if you sinned once, then you don't know God at all. That's not what he's saying. What he is saying and what he means is that those who persist in making sin a habit demonstrate a lack of a relationship with God. We didn't get to this, so I want you to jump down to verse 9. I want to read verse 9 real quick because it kind of plugs into this. In verse 9, he says, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. This plugs right into what we're saying. What he's saying here is that when we're saved, the Holy Spirit comes and is planted in our hearts. We're created new, and he grows the good fruit. Just like we study in the book of Galatians, we see the fruit of the Spirit. 
when we allow the Holy Spirit to come in and take control of our life and we allow him to prick us when we sin, we ask for forgiveness and we try to prune that away. Those areas that God shows us over time, that is the purification. That is the sanctification of our walk. And so he says his seed remains in us, meaning that if God's life, the Holy Spirit is planted in our hearts and he's growing that good fruit, then we will be able to avoid sin by his power, not by our own, by his power. And what is his power? It is self-control. That is one of the fruits of the Spirit. So for those of you that are saying, I can't do this, you're absolutely right. You can't do it. We can't live a perfect life, but we can do better. If we keep ourselves in close relationship with Jesus and we allow the Holy Spirit to take control of our life, then we can do better and we can sin less. But now flip back to verse 7 and 8 with me because these verses should give us that yes moment. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. He's talking about Jesus there. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. And listen to this. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Christians still do sin, and we do that when we fall back into our old nature, when we give in to our flesh. But when the Christian acknowledges that he is a new creation, he allows the Holy Spirit to live in him, and he puts his trust in Christ and the Holy Spirit, then he takes away that desire to sin. Some of you grace-based people are going to say, well, Christ's blood washed away all my sins, past, present, and future. And I actually agree with you on that. But that doesn't mean that we're able to just do whatever we want to do, that we can let our guard down because as soon as we do it, guess what we're going to do? We're going to fall right back into sin. Our natural flesh, we're born selfish. You don't believe me? You go watch any one-year-old or two-year-old. First thing they do is they get something and somebody comes, tries to get that. They go, mine, mine. You don't have to teach them that word. They know that word. And that is a nature inside of all of us. And, and so if we allow ourselves to be in control instead of Christ, instead of the Holy Spirit who's living inside of us, then we're going to all of a sudden fall into sin. I have to move on. So verse nine, we'll go back there. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. So it's exactly what I've been saying since we started this lesson, because he has been born of God. See, God's in us. He's planted that seed. And we now walk with his power. And by this, it is evident who are the children of God. Who are the children of the devil? Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So if we don't love one another, if we only love those that we want to love and not love everyone, no matter of their, of their education, what side of the tracks they come from, what they can do for me. If I only love those that I can get something out of, that's not love. That is selfishness. What he's saying here, if you don't love your brother, then you don't have God in you because God loves us all. He went to the cross for all. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life whosoever. You know what that whosoever is? That's me. That's you. That's anybody. That's not a select group. If anyone believes in him and asks for forgiveness and make him Lord of their life, 
then that grace comes in and they are saved. And after the salvation becomes the purification of our walk or a sanctification of our walk, and we start living like we are a child of the king. And then to wrap this thing up, we see that we get an example. And look at what it says in verses 11 and 12. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteousness. So what is John trying to show us with this example of Cain? Well, he's really showing us two things. One, he's showing us the sin of murder, but he's also showing us the sin of jealousy. I think everyone knows the story of Cain and Abel right there in Genesis 4. You know, Cain brought God an offering of grain and crops from the field, but God didn't think it was a good offering. Now, Abel brought a lamb, a meat, a blood sacrifice, and God blessed him, but he didn't bless Cain. But I don't want to get wrapped up between a grain offering and a blood offering because it really wasn't about grain and meat. But I want you to see that the offering that God rejected was out of abundance. It wasn't a sacrifice versus Abel's pride possession. You know, it was the best that he could give. And so God took that. But Cain was mad because of it. And then God tells him that he shouldn't be. And that if he continues to do well, that he'll be accepted. But that wasn't good enough for Cain. And we see in verse 8 in chapter 4 of Genesis that uh, Cain gets Abel out into the field. Cain rises up and he kills his brother. Cain murdered his brother. It was an obvious action of sin. He chose to do this. But the root of this sin was his jealousy of God's favor towards Abel and not him. And let me take you to Matthew 5, 21 through 22, because Jesus is teaching along the same lines. He says, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be in the danger of judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without call shall be in the danger of judgment. See, the sin of the heart, the jealousy, the contempt for his brother is akin to murder. And so that's what Jesus is getting at right here as well. Jesus is saying, if you're jealous, if you have contempt for another and you don't love your, your neighbor, then it is similar to murder. And as I studied this, this really spoke to me because you know, I'm not a murderer. I haven't murdered anybody. I've gotten mad at people before, but I've never really just wanted to take a knife and murder them. That's not who I am. And I want you to understand, you don't need to be like Cain. That's what God spoke to me while I was studying this is don't be like Cain. God's blessings are fair. They're not always equal, but they're fair. And God's blessing to Cain and Abel were fair. They weren't the same, but they were fair. And there have been times I've gotten mad, I've gotten upset over not getting a job or getting a raise because someone else took what I thought was mine for the stuff I had done. And God spoke to me this week and he said, Tim, my blessings are fair. So as I walk away from this lesson, I want you to understand that our actions illustrate our real heart condition. John shows us Cain's sin by his action. I'm out of time, so let me wrap up with these final thoughts. John illustrates that our actions really show us our heart condition, whether it's in good condition or whether it's in bad condition. 
when I was having issues in my chest, I remember going to St. Dominic's Hospital and they immediately put me in a room. They put me on a stress test. They shot dye in me and they looked at the condition of my heart by the way it pushed blood throughout my body. How was it coming out? Was there any areas that did not act right? And again, we should understand on a spiritual level that the way we respond shows what's inside of us. Dr. Tony Evans teaches about a sponge. A sponge will hold whatever you put into it. You take it and you squeeze it and you put it down under water and you pull it out. Guess what? When you squeeze it again, the water comes back out. Whatever's put into the sponge comes out. And we have to be careful that we aren't allowing the world into our heart. We need to look at what's coming out of the sponge. We need to look at what's coming out of us as sponges. Is it God? Are we in God's word? Are we studying God's word? Are we having a relationship with God? Or do we start to look more like God? Are we walking, striving to walk worthy, to walk in a way that is righteous, a way that loves one another? that is not about me, but is about others, that we put God first, we put others second, and then we're third. So we need to understand what the root of the problem is. What is the root of the sin? Just like Cain's murder was just an action, but jealousy was the root that made him murder his brother. If you have an affair, infidelity is the display. But what is the root? Is it lust? There's something underneath deeper that created the action. And we need to understand and look at our actions and understand where the problem is deeper inside of us. John is telling us that our actions are telling. They tell our heart condition. And he says that if your actions are sin, that it means you must not know God or you don't have a relationship with him like you should, because if you did, you wouldn't do these things. And so that's what I'm going to challenge you with today. What is the condition of your heart? What are the things that you're doing that doesn't look like God? That doesn't mean that you don't have a relationship with him. That doesn't mean that you aren't saved. The challenge for you today is what are the areas that are coming out of you when the sponge is squeezed? What areas are those things that are exposed as God puts you through that trial or that test? Will you do that? Will you turn over those areas that God's been trying to get to today? Let us pray. Dearly Father, we come to you today. We thank you, Lord, for another time to come together and study your word. Lord, I pray today that we would apply this knowledge that you've given us. Lord, your word has taught us about looking at the root of the problem, not the symptom, not the action, but the root. Lord, I pray right now that we would stop and we would think about that. Lord, there's areas in our lives, Lord, as you've spoken to me this week, as I've seeked your wisdom and knowledge over this lesson, Lord, I pray right now that those that are hearing my voice, Lord, that they would stop and think about what you're trying to get them to do. What are the areas that the Holy Spirit is pricking at their heart? Lord, I pray today that they would lay it at your feet, Lord, that they would ask for forgiveness. Lord, that they would understand that we have to die to ourselves daily. We have to make you Lord and master of our life and that we strive after you. We chase after you. We love you and we follow your commandments. We don't get to live the way we want to live. That's not what the Bible teaches us. Lord, I pray today as Christians, we will understand that we, when we chose you to make you Lord, that we gave up 
our rights and we gave our rights to you. And Lord, I thank you right now that you love me and you loved everyone that can hear my voice enough that you sent your son to a cross to die, to pay for my sins, that one day I would have to stand before you as a holy God, as an unholy man. And Lord, that you would allow me to be able to stand in front of you through the blood of your righteous son, the atonement, the price that he paid so that I could stand before you Lord, because I'm not worthy to stand before you. Lord, I thank you right now. Lord, if there's one that is listening that doesn't know you, Lord, I pray today that they would ask you to be Lord of their life. They would admit they're a sinner, Lord. They would believe in your finished work on the cross, Lord, and they will commit. Lord, they'll confess and commit and chase after you. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for all the many blessings you give this ministry. Lord, right now, I pray pray a blessing over each and every one that listens to this. Lord, let them have a good week, and we love you, and it's in your name we pray. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.